Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports industry, I want to continue to find ways to give back. Give back to individuals that want to get in this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. This podcast is presented by General Sports Worldwide and the clubhousecareers.com. It's crazy. It's season four already. I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are currently in this industry, three hustle hot seat questions, and three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now, under our guests this week. About the journey in this business. The journey can come in a variety of ways. I'm excited to have our next guest share his, where he's worked in senior sales roles at leagues, teams, and agencies, and the amazing stories he's been part of in his career. Our next guest is Chris Marciani, Brand and Marketing Partnerships for the Brandar Group. Chris, welcome to the show. Travis, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me as a guest. No, Chris, thank you so much. Certainly very excited to talk about your career. And we'll start where we kicked it off. You've worked for teams and leagues, including CLC, Arena Football, NASCAR, the Charlotte Hornets, MLB, and the PGA Tour. What are some key similarities in selling at a high level for some of those different properties and teams? Uh, good question. Uh, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, all of those are inside the sports marketing space. And I was focused on selling sponsorships uh, for those properties, um, worked for really good business leaders, um, good mentors, great place to learn. But in terms of, you know, what are the similarities? Uh, you know, I'm a marketer that loves to sell. Um, we, you know, you're in different situations. You have to uh, solve complex problems. Uh, you, you have to network, get to know the, the customer, the buyer. So regardless of the, the property or the team, uh, the assignment was to generate meaningful revenue for the property team, help the brand connect. Um, and there's a lot of work and process that goes into making that happen. So in a lot of ways, all of those stops were very, very similar um, as, you know, as you kind of work through your career. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Chris, for you, back to the beginning, you go and attend the University of Southern Mississippi. You receive a degree in marketing. What do you think back then you were going to do as a career path? Oh, great question. I um, I knew I was done with school and I wanted a job, um, but I don't know, you know, maybe I didn't know how to get a job. So that was probably first step. I um, had a great experience on campus. I did well in the classroom. I did a lot of um campus activities and leadership positions. So I felt like I had a good experience and I needed to learn how to uh, articulate that to a job uh, decision maker who was hiring for a position that I was interested in. I wanted to be in sales. I wanted to be in marketing. I just didn't maybe know what lane it would be in. And so I personally made it a task in my last semester to meet any and everybody that would sit down with me about a job. And I'm talking about medical supplies, um, newspaper ad sales, uh, building materials, what have you. And I'm glad I did that because when I finally got the interview for the job that I thought I really wanted, I was ready. Yep. I learned how to tell my story. I learned how to answer questions. I knew how to prepare to ask good questions. Um, and that kind of got me started. It was all really fast. Um, and there was a lot of pressure to get a job, but I, I, I knew I was ready and I knew I wanted to kind of embark on that path and that journey. It, it ended up in sports with some help um, from friends and family. But when I got the opportunity, I was ready and uh, I knew how to uh, 
you know, win an offer uh, through the process and uh, I had done the work. So, yeah, uh, getting a job was my first my first step. Didn't know exactly how I was going to do it. But I think that's such great advice for those listeners out there that are in college of like, hey, gain as much experience as possible. I mean, and Chris, you and I have both seen it where kids come out of college and they say, okay, I want to apply for this job. Like, because that was the only internship I had is the only thing I know. And then they get in there for a month and they're like, I don't want to do this. Right. And so having that experience, whether it be medical supplies or construction or hardware, like figure out where is your passion point. So, so great advice there. And, you know, you found your passion point in sports and your first opportunity came with CLC and account services in the collegiate licensing division. And thinking back to that time, what were some key learnings early on in the business that you still apply to your day? It's a great question. I, Back when I was looking for a job, I was 22 years old. I wrote a, a letter to the CEO of the collegiate licensing company, Bill Battle. Uh, he was kind enough to write a letter back. And he simply said, if you're ever in Atlanta, I'd love to meet you. Well, I, I called his office that day and told her uh, Linda Jordan was her, is, is her name. And, and, and I told her I'd be there next week. Is Mr. Battle available? You know what? Ironically enough, I'll be in Atlanta next week. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was a salesperson at 22, I suppose. So I, yep. I drove over from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I got my chance to meet Mr. Battle, Bill, and his team. And it worked out. I, I got a job. Now, once I got the job, I had done the work. I was prepared. I could win the offer. Now I needed to do the work. And you know, advice I would give or thoughts that I think were important was at 22, you don't know what you don't know. So I just had this interest in reading everything that the company did. It could be a co client contract. It could be an article, but I just was a sponge. I wanted to, I was curious about really everything that the company did. Uh, this trademark licensing company, well, what is intellectual property? How do you protect intellectual property? How do you optimize or monetize intellectual property? And this was all in the backdrop of college sports, which ironically I work in now 28 years later. So um, be ready to do the work. Um, get in there and and doesn't matter what the job or the assignment is, attack it, big or small. Um, ask every question you have, uh, intelligent or not, because that's how you're going to accelerate your curve. And so for the two and a half years I spent in a really good company working for really good people, I was uh, Corey Moss's assistant. Now he runs the, the company. Um, I just got access to everything and uh, totally took advantage of it. I'll say this. I had nothing else to do. I was 22 years old. I barely made enough money to pay my bills. So I couldn't afford, only thing I could afford to do was work. Yeah. So I uh, I just jumped right in and had a ball with it. No, that's awesome. Well, Chris, throughout your career, you end up heading up several business development and corporate partnership teams across different leagues that we discussed. And in your career, you've generated millions of dollars between Fortune 500 brands and sports teams. How's the overall experience been for you? Uh, fantastic. Um, the basis of all of it is uh, building a network, building a network where your reputation is worthy, you're trustworthy, uh, you do what you say you're going to do, uh, you do the right thing, uh, regardless of all the other pressures that are in the, the responsibility. And, and, and if you operate from that position, you can be a great manager and you can lead uh, your sales team. So yeah, uh, the overall experience has been fantastic. I've been very, very fortunate to work for some really, really bright people who've helped teach me, bring me along. Uh, and then equally, I put in the effort to do the work uh, and have fun with it and be curious and, and, and show up every day and do the best I can. No, absolutely. Well, 
Chris, generating top dollars is not always easy, and and to close six and seven figure deals require many special attributes to be a successful seller. What are some of the keys to selling at a high level? Yeah, I thank you for saying it's not easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, they, there's not a lot of speed in, from deal to deal. Like they, they, they're long sales cycles. You, you really have to have a good basis of information for perhaps that category or the or the uh, asset or opportunity that you're bringing to the marketplace. Um, and so you kind of, you, you really got to, you really got to dig in. One of the things that I learned from uh, Brett Yormark, I was a junior seller at the NASCAR office um, was just, you know, operate within a process and, and, and guide it or even control it. You are the quarterback, you, you are running the play and you need a team, a deal team to get those big deals done at different levels within the organization and same at the prospect side. But, but there's a process in which you go through and you as the leader of the deal have to be sharp and guide um, and, and help, you know, the buyer kind of realize the, op- the opportunity. I would say managing up across and down everyone, you're the central communication piece on where the deal is. So that's helpful for your management, for your colleagues, other departments, perhaps in your, in your company, the same time, you may want to do the same on the buy side, uh, their agency, uh, their marketing leadership, what have you, but, um, you, you, you kind of have to control the narrative and guide the process, which may be six months, 12 months, or sometimes even 18 months. Another thing that I think I would say is it's upon you, the leader of the deal, to think of every option, every angle, every opportunity. And, and maybe you have 15, 20 good ideas and three or four of them are central to getting the deal done, but you've done the work, you've invested the time to think about possibly every scenario that would help the client find value with your organization. That's the leadership of the, the lead deal maker to get a big deal done. Uh, so I think that's a good habit. Uh, to yeah. have and have the discipline to do so. And I think that's a great point. You know, I always kind of talk about, it. it's like, there's two value propositions. The seller consultant has a value proposition. The client has, our goal is to marry them together and, and truly understand it where we're not just force feeding a product. You know, Travis, and, it's yeah. a great point and I, not to jump in, but um, I had an opportunity to work on the wireless category at Major League Baseball. Um, we identified T-Mobile as a target. This is back in you know, 2013, 14, 15. Um, they were going through some business uh, challenges. I think AT&T at the time was trying to buy them. The acquisition failed. They had to reposition themselves uh, in the sports space. They had lost the NBA deal to um, Sprint, ironically. And I knew at, at Major League Baseball, we had the category open, but it was complicated. So we started the process and very quickly got the decision makers at T-Mobile comfortable with the idea of being the official wireless partner of Major League Baseball. But that was probably the easiest part. The, the, mm-hmm. the challenge and the hard work came in moving the industry towards this new position. So you had conflicting team deals at the local level. You had different uh, partners across the media entities, be it um, the digital side or the MLB network. Long story short, you know, to your point, our role, my role, the deal team role was to bring everybody kind of together to find the path forward around the right idea. And that in, in many cases was 32 phone calls to 32 team, you know, the teams and immediate partners, et cetera. And that's how that stuff starts. Now they, they're, they're renewed through 2028. And um, that's really been a successful relationship for, uh, for major league baseball and, and for T-Mobile, but it's just fun being on the front line in the first phone call, if you will, to start, 
you know, imagining what could be possible, how to do this deal. Why would it work? And um, that's kind of the fun part of the job. Absolutely. Well, Chris, over the last several years, you've been working for the Brandar Group, where you focus on national sales to develop the newly integrated NIL deals. And NIL has certainly been a key component in the sports world. And TBG really specializes in co-branded college business using group player rights through licensing, sponsorship, and media. What would you say is the elevator pitch for TBG? <laughs> well, uh, I... There's a, that's a lot. I'll break it down. <laughs> NIL is name, image, and likeness. So yep. back in 2021, uh, the legislation broke in favor of the student athlete. And so now a college athlete, while they're on campus and competing, can find uh, opportunities through the use of their name, image, and likeness. Our firm, uh, the Brandar Group, specializes in group licensing. We represent uh, 80 universities, over 12,000 student athletes for NIL group programs. And the definition of that would be if a brand or a company wants to work with three or more athletes uh, co-branded uh, or partnered with the university marks in a campaign, uh, our firm would facilitate that deal and put all the pieces together to make it, to make it happen. Uh, there's another version of that where a company could work with six or more student athletes, one or two from each team to get up to at least six. So two football, two basketball, two soccer, two softball. And, and that could be a campaign and define group rights. So our role in, in, in it's all within the last 24 months, although the firm is just under 10 years old, um, we, we dedicate a lot of resources and time to build out this college platform to create a lot of efficiency for the marketplace so companies that want to do trading cards can come to one location, as a simple example, and find player rights and school marks uh, in the same agreement to bring a product like that to market. Uh, could be a video game, could be a name on the back of a jersey. Uh, all of that could run through the brand or group through the set of rights that we have. And, and, and my job specifically is to work on connecting corporate brands with student athletes that have amazing stories to tell in conjunction with their school marks. So it's a new entry point, a lot of education and a lot of opportunity. And we're seeing it already in just the first, you know, I call it the top of the first inning of a seven game series early, early in the playoffs to use a baseball analogy. We're just getting started. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Chris Marciani, Brand and Marketing Partnerships for the Brandar Group. And 
Chris, let's get into three hot topics. Question one, selling sports is never easy. And really, regardless of wins or losses and throughout your career, you've worked for some teams that are pretty good record wise, but also work for teams that haven't been very good. You've worked for for leagues that you really don't have a record. And so what's your advice to all listeners on the value of running parallel paths, but also selling at a high level, no matter the outcome, you know, kind of on the field or on the court? there's a balance. There's two dynamics that you kind of have to balance. One is your individual effort, your sales technique, your approach to your responsibility and being a positive contributor to the pipeline. Um, that's, you know, your, how organized are you? How prepared are you? The work that you're um, putting forth for your craft, right? And so that, that you have to keep an eye on that equally and separate is the sales process, uh, the diagnostics that you go through to find out how you can help a brand tell its story against your team or perhaps even league. And, and, and that's okay to go through, to, to, you don't have to be so concerned about wins and losses. Those, those properties have audiences, they have specific uh, clusters of interest and to find brands that want to market and connect to those audiences through your property um, is an established industry and a best practice. So yeah, does it help if you're uh, on top of the food chain and winning championships year over year? Sure. Uh, it, but, but it also to be said, if you're an emerging property and you're growing, you you could make the case that maybe there's less noise and it's easier to make a connection that's meaningful for the for the partner that's coming in to invest into your asset. So you know you're you're balancing both. You know you're taking someone through the sales process, and there's a there's a proven way that that works. Um, and that's important for the team to subscribe to. And then it's matched with your effort. And then wins and losses have nothing to do with it. At that point, you're able to produce meaningful results for the company. Absolutely. And in question two, Chris, as we discussed, you've been a part of many large deals. And what would you say is the most unique partnership or activation you've been a part of? Yeah, I mean, I have been very fortunate. Uh, I've been a junior seller. I've been a lead seller on, you know, NBA arena naming rights. Uh, big sports um, uh, media events like the Home Run Derby, Major League Baseball. I was able to sell that during my time there. Uh, yeah, it, it. I think the most unique and the coolest stuff that I've worked on thus far is really what I'm working on right now um, and, and helping take all this industry uh, best practice on group licensing and now bring the corporate advertising community into this new entry point, which is working with groups of student athletes co-branded with their school marks. Um, we're working with companies like Taco Bell, uh, a major college advertiser. We're working yep. with uh, up and coming brands like Haley um, Shade Sticks, which is a health and beauty brand that makes it easier to be a fan because you can color your hair in a temporary way to show your fandom. I mean, there's just that there's a lot of examples. So many options. Yeah, and we're taking brands through that process. We're helping the school understand what group licensing is because though we've been doing it for 30 years in the professional sports space, we're now doing it in the at the college campus level. And there's a curve there. And, and our yep. role is is to kind of bring some structure to that process, which is you know the industry standard with the new opportunity. And we're sitting dead center in it. And so the most unique, yes, I've been a part of some big traditional sponsorship deals. Very, very fortunate. And, and I love that I have. But right now, this is as cool as it gets for what I do. Um, yep. we're, we're building a business. Um, the agency is enjoying really rapid growth, headcount processes. 
matched with shaping and building the way in which brands can interact with student athletes that's never been able to be done before. We're right there on the edge. And uh, that's just a lot of fun. No, absolutely. And finally, question three, you've worked with many different Fortune 500 companies and certainly top executives. What's a key characteristic that stand out in some of the top executives you've worked with? Um, I love that one. Uh, well, first of all, if you're a chief marketing officer, you're under a lot of pressure. Uh, he or she has the task of, of uh, nurturing their brand and telling their story. They have a lot of options to tell their story, right? Where can they use best use their marketing budget? Sponsorship can be very, very valuable in doing so, but it's not the first place they may look. Um, media uh, does a wonderful job and there's different forms of that, but that's probably the safest baseline place to go. If you uh, can find the opportunity where sponsorship is the solution for the for the brand or the the marketing leadership, um, you, you've got to be prepared as a seller. You, you've got to have done your homework. Uh, you're going to have uh, an opportunity, right? You'll earn the meeting, but you have to be thoughtful in your approach. You have to be specific with your idea, and you have to be able to kind of forecast their their success. Yep. Not a promise or a guarantee, but but by forming this partnership and having the CMO trust you, you, your brand helping polish or build their brand in the process, you have to be able to articulate what the upside is for them. And then look, if they're interested and they're excited, they're capable of making the decision. They may need to talk to their board. They may need to talk to the CEO. But when you get that chance to have that moment, to have that discussion, you've got to be prepared and ready to connect. They are very busy. Uh, they're very smart. And you better have done your homework. Um, and after a couple at bats or a couple opportunities as a salesperson, you get there. Um, yep. But but that's what I would say. You uh, be prepared, and, and when you have your chance, be ready to strike. Be ready to go. Well, Chris, what a great career you've already had. As you think back, what's been your best memory? It's uh, it's always the first deal at a new job. Um, yep. They've trusted you. They've hired you. They spent a lot of money trying to find you to get you to come over. They want you to build the team. They want you to build the business. And if you can get off to a great start and show a quick win, um, the bigger, the better, I suppose. But that's that's the that's that feeling of um, I've got it and, I, and I've got the confidence, courage to kind of to kind of move through this and and get where the company wants to go. I see the the other vivid memory I've had in in the space is when the lights finally went on, right? When I kind of figured it all out. Yep. Maybe that's a big statement, but when I could see why the buyer bought, why the CMO was so interested in spending all of this money and building all this programming around the particular sport that I was working on, I was lucky that that happened at a young age or the, earlier in my career. And then that gave me all sorts of confidence. I say, geez, I understand how the dots are connected. I understand why they're taking this risk. I understand what their upside would be. And that just helped me be a better facilitator of the sales process. And so when you're 22, 25, 28, it, it's not easy. You don't, there's no book to read. You kind of have to do the work, be in yep. the room, listen, and, and then the lights will go on. And then all of a sudden you're at a new level in your career. Yep. Um, and those are some of the memories or moments that are have, that stand out to me in the in the last. Love it, little. love it. Well, Chris, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey. To close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Sure. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, it's not healthy, <laughs> uh, but if I had to eat the same meal, I'd create an experience. I'd want to have a wonderful Italian meal. Um, great appetizers, uh, pasta, bolognese sauce, 
uh, I don't know, Sambuca, Espresso, Chocolate Cake. And I'd want my two brothers to be there. And I'd want to have had just enough to drink to where we maybe were a little too loud and other tables were a little annoyed. But not <laughs> super annoyed. Love that it, would right. be a fun night. So that's my answer. What's the last thing you completed on your bucket list? Um, I, my dad's 78. We went to um, London on a father-son trip. And uh, we got to see two English Premier League games. Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Carter Ladd, helped us out with some tickets. It was the same trip. We were able to see the Jaguars beat the Dolphins a couple seasons ago. Nice. Um, we're Jaguar season ticket fans here at our house. So, it, you know, it was just a great trip. It was just me and my dad. And um, awesome. I hadn't seen the e e e EPL game before. And we got to see two. If you hosted a talk show, who would be your first guest? I think it's Elon Musk. He's a pretty interesting guy with a lot of interesting things going on. And that'd be a yep. good segment. Absolutely. Well, Chris, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Uh, for work stuff, always be ready to do the work. Even if it's hard, if it helps you build your craft, like just know that you're going to have to work hard and it can be hard, but do the work. I would say another thing that served me well over the years is being relentlessly curious, um, asking and poking and, and finding out things that are of interest to you. That's a good habit. Um, and then finally, you're just having the confidence and the courage in yourself that you can figure it out. Um, there's always going to be a way to move forward. It may not be a straight line, but just have the confidence, the courage that you can figure it out. And uh, that's a good way to kind of bet on yourself. Love it. Chris, thank you so much. Pleasure talking with you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Travis, it was a pleasure. And I love your podcast. Thanks. For awesome. Well, thank you so much. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.